inside. That Pepper got the shot. They go to Grant. The Paxson. Paxson going for the win. Here's Paxson for three. Yeah! It's the All right, welcome to another edition of One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. Uh, fresh off of the last episode with Jason Levine, former NBA journalist. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a few things. First, I want to discuss impact versus player. Uh, I've been hearing a lot all over the social media and all over the TV news productions, um, you know, first things first. And I don't know if it was first things first, but, you know, a lot of these these media outlets, in addition to seeing a lot of people's takes and Gilbert Arenas' takes, how they feel that Gilbert uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't the best player in the NBA. So my question is, how do people define the best player? Why do players assume that skill set means you're better? I've been, you know, hearing it over and over again. Giannis is not the best player in the world because he can't do this. And they pick one thing that he can't do to overshadow all that he can do. I don't think there's one player, not even Michael Jordan, I don't think there's one player who's perfect. But there are players that do a lot of things great. So picking a thing that he can't do to overshadow what he can do is frustrating to me. I mean, is he a good three-point shooter? No. Is he a good free-throw shooter? No. Is he a great rebounder? Yes. Is he a great defender? Yes. Is he a great passer? No, but a very, very good one. Is he a great scorer? Yes. Now, some of you will argue and say, well, he can't shoot. How can he be a great scorer? Well, because he knows his strengths. And anyone that knows when I go downhill, get in the post, and shoot over the top of people, I can punish this player every time, is a great scorer. Knowing what he can do great and continuing to do it over and over again that means he's a great scorer. Maybe Giannis never learns to shoot. Maybe he never becomes a great free throw shooter. But I'll tell you what, LeBron was the best player in the league for about eight years, at least. And he couldn't shoot, shoot free throws worth a damn. And he was barely a good three-point shooting uh, player. He became more effective, but he wasn't the best three-point shooter, and he wasn't a great free throw shooter. But he was still effective. But he missed free throws repeatedly in the clutch. But now are we saying, oh, because Giannis can't do it, he's not the best? So I guess because Tim Duncan didn't shoot from beyond the arc and didn't shoot that well outside of the paint all the time, and he didn't shoot a whole bunch of jumpers, he wouldn't be in the convo today for the best player in the league? Maybe it's me, but I'll take a person who does the same thing over and over again 
every time that impacts the game more and isn't as skilled as another player and does the same boring moves every time over flashy as long as he gets me a W. Maybe that's just me. But I've always been taught, do your strengths. And if you can do your strengths and make your strengths look great and lead your team to a win, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Giannis doesn't need to be a three-point shooter. Free throws, I will say that he needs to improve on that. But we've seen someone with success who wasn't a great free throw shooter. In LeBron, in Shaquille O'Neal, in Wilt Chamberlain, in Bill Russell. Those are plenty of players that are top-tier players that were considered the best players in the NBA at one point in time, have multiple MVPs, but couldn't hit free throws. Next, I'm going to continue off where I left off from my first two pods. Um, The pods where I talked about when I hear teams, who I think of. And first and foremost, I want to start off by apologizing for leaving off David Thompson's name for the Denver Nuggets, because that is absolutely sacrilegious that I would leave his name off. So I'm going to start off from where I left off. The Warriors. Okay. Now, when I think of the Golden State Warriors, I think of Rick Barry. Okay. Now, some people might not like. Now, Rick shot 32 free throws in that series and made 30 of them. 94% from the free throw line. Okay. It was a four game series. But at the end of the day, he was attacking all aspects. And another thing that I like about Rick is the fact that he will be the first person to tell you, as you, some people might have heard on the um, podcast with Peter Vesey, he will be the first person to tell you how important Clifford Ray was on that championship team, how important Jamal Wilkes was on that championship team. He's always big upping his teammates and giving them the, un, the the credit that they deserve. Now, next person I think of, okay? How could I not think of him? Wilt. And I think Wilt could be used at every place that he played in because he transcends time. He was an enigma. He led every team that he played on to the postseason and to some version of success did he lead the Warriors to a championship no he didn't but he led them to some version of success leading them to the championship where they eventually lost to the the champion the Boston Celtics and not many people beat the Boston Celtics in the 60s not many people if any okay two times they lost two times one was in the 50s when Bill Russell got injured the other time was, oh, it might have been three. I'm sorry, it might be three. The other time was when Wilt led the Philadelphia 76ers to a championship. And, And there I go again saying that Wilt could be placed on any team as a person who you could think of. Now, last but not least is Steph Curry. And to me, he changed the game as a small guard. And I mean skinny, frail guard. And believe what you want, 
but he helped lead the Warriors to four championships, and he changed the game. Whether you believe it's for the better or for the worse, he changed the game. I will never say that he changed it for the worse because he is doing what he is great at. Others are not so much doing that. Others seem to think that he changed it for the worst. Me, I say analytics did that. And people not understanding their strengths. But at the same time, everyone wants to be like Steph. Everyone wants to be able to shoot at a high volume now. Everybody wants to shoot three-pointers because obviously we all know threes are better than twos. And I think anybody can tell you that. But if you're not a great three-point shooter, why are you trying to shoot threes the way that Steph does? Well, Steph is an example and you want to try to be like him. So that's why I think he changed the game. Do I think he changed it for the worse? I don't. Because in particular, the reason why I say that I don't think he changed it for the worse is because Steph knows what he can do. Steph knows what he's good at. Some of these other people who are shooting these volume threes that aren't as good as sh shooting as Steph, they're doing it, but they don't know what they're good at. They don't know their strengths. Which brings me back to the, my original statement of why I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA, because he plays to his strengths. That's why I think he's the best player in the world. You don't have to do something that you're not accustomed to doing. Play to your strengths. Next, the team that I talk, I, I'm talking about when I think of people is the Houston Rockets. First, I'm going to say who I think of when I think of the Houston Rockets. I think of Rudy Tomjanovich. Not only was he a player for Houston and spent his whole entire career at the, on the Rockets, but he created a culture of winning in Houston as a coach. The one quote that I will always remember that he says after the 1995 NBA Finals where no one thought that they were going to win, where he helped coach the team who did not have home court advantage in not one single series, mind you. He said, you, we had non-believers all the way. But I have one thing to say to all those non-believers. Don't you ever underestimate the heart of a champion. And it was that culture that he created, that culture of clutch city that he created, which made them successful. So I think of Rudy Tomjanovich. I think of some of the coaching methods that he had. When a team lost and if they blew a big lead, he would always watch the bad things that they did first. And some coaches just watch the bad things and then they go and say, hey, here's how we're going to improve. No, he would watch the bad things first. And then after, when some people might have gotten discouraged, he would focus on watching the good things that they did and encourage them and uplift them and lead into practice by showing the good things and then you lead them into practice where they're ready to go. That's why I think of Rudy T. Next, I think of Yao Ming and the impact that he made on Houston that they so desperately needed. His career was cut short, but he was very impactful. He also created a bridge between China and the U.S., so I have to think of Yao Ming. 
And last but not least, I think of Akeem Olajuwon, the greatest rocket of all time. He is incredible. Two-time champ, top 15 in multiple statistical categories, the only player in NBA history. Actually, I think Giannis took over that, it added to it. But at the time when he was playing, he was the only player in NBA history to win an MVP, a finals MVP, and Defensive Player of the Year all in the same year. Now, Akeem's game speaks for itself. He was so talented that Kobe went to him to work on his footwork because he felt that he could learn from him. Okay? You don't go for you don't go to somebody who you don't respect and who you don't think you could learn from. And that's what Kobe did. He went to Akeem, and that's why I think of Hakeem when I think of the Houston Rockets. Now, Last but not least, we always, this is a short episode, last but not least, I always think of, I always talk about players to watch, okay, from the past that need to get their just due. Now, the player to watch that I think of is Archie Clark, okay? Now, Archie Clark, he was a two-time All-Star, okay? Not only was he a two-time All-Star, But he was an All-NBA in the 71-72 season. Okay, he played for the Lakers as well as the Bullets. And the game that you should watch to watch his skill set is the 72-game Knicks versus Bullets Game 3. Another Game 3. And he played incredible. And Game 1, even though it wasn't a great scoring uh, game for him, I thought he was very good in Game 1. Now, what you should do is look for these games on YouTube. But again, who knows if the NBA isn't on their rampage rampage, and blocking these games and taking them off. But if you are going to look for a game and if you happen to so, so much as find the 1972 Knicks versus Bullets Game 3 or the Game 1 of 1973 where he played the Knicks again, Please watch that game and watch how good Archie Clark was and really appreciate him because I think we don't, as a society, do a good enough job of appreciating the people who actually put in the time to make it to this level and we start to call them, people start to call them plumbers and this and that and that. I don't think people who never have played pro understand what you need to do to make it to that level. Thank you again for tuning in. This has been another episode of the One in a Million. I, again, am your host, Roland Million. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.